Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura. I'm Mac. I'm Eris. And our security officer, Z, is on the Klingon monastery world of Borath, uh, improving their Makbara uh, forms, so ah. they will not be joining us while we discuss some additional original series episodes. This time, we will be discussing The Return of Harry Mudd, as played by Roger mm-hmm. Carmel, and his last live-action appearance, as ah. portrayed by Roger Carmel. Oh. He only uh, had two, really? He only had two live-action episodes, and then Rain Wilson plays him in the latest series that take place in the 20th century. Oh, you know, I always confuse the guy in the Tribble episode as being mud, but that's somebody else. He has a it? muddish quality he to does, him, I will grant but you, it's, yes. Uh, Never mind. I'm surprised, honestly, because, like, I... I don't know. I feel like he was like a much big. He he felt so big, you know. Like he was mm-hmm. such a big character that I'm surprised there was really only two. Yeah. Uh, well, he does an animated series episode. The the, the that actor. The, yeah, okay. that actor. Uh, that was in the mm-hmm. '70s, but between the original mm-hmm. series and the movies, and he they were talking about doing a next generation episode with him, but Roger Carmel passed away uh, before they could okay. get it together. But then, yeah, the character was rebooted for the more current shows, and Dwight plays it. We will Weird be discussing discuss- choice, but I'm okay with that. It but- actually. It works. It, it works. Yeah. Okay. There's a really good uh, one of the short treks that they did with him in it. And so, yes, we'll be watching I Mud season two, episode eight, and then we'll discuss Metamorphosis season two, episode nine. Now, if you had told me before rewatching these episodes that I would prefer the episode that features Harry Mud, I would have said you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. I actually liked this episode. And it was it was like a delightful off 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 Broadway play. <laughs> yes, yeah, I I did really like this. I thought I would because I did kind of like Harry, but I mean, I I would not want to be in the same room with the guy, the actual character. But like, <laughs> I like the concept of the character for mm. the context of this show, just because he's such a big personality that like combats Kirk's big par- personality, but he's also True. such a dick. And <laughs> Yeah. And like he's he's like every bad part of Kirk, you know. He's yeah. just like one hundred percent fuckboy, you know. Like Kirk's kid just unleashed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so so I like him from like a character archetype kind of thing, yeah. and just it's he's fun to watch. I mean, he because he's just sure. a total dick, and I love him. <laughs> um, I was I was but I was so put off by Mud's women as we as I rewatched it that I kind of mm-hmm. had a dim opinion of him going forward, but. I, I had a much better time with him this week. There's no human trafficking. That helps. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm so used to basically, like, uh, dudes in sci-fi being total dickholes. Um, yeah. I just really like that word today. I'm sorry. That's, like, my, my word of the day. Then I was just like, yeah, okay, sex trafficking. This sounds, this sounds terrible. What else is new? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, okay. This, I gotta get my entertainment here somehow, I guess. There's a lot I liked about this episode. There really was. I, I love how, once again... It's Kirk arguing with robots until they explode. Right. Right. Well, it <laughs> almost like... it almost seems like a spoof of other Star Trek episodes. Like they're having fun and yes. they're being weird, and there are scantily clad women and a few scantily clad men. And it, it goes back to that trope of him just, you know, hey, computer, go fuck yourself. Bang! He also 
surprisingly doesn't try to fuck any of the robots this time around. You know, um, he's remarkably restrained. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that like they got mud in on it at the end, right? Like he's yeah. helping them and he's acting along with them. Like yeah. it seems like maybe they taught improv at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. All of them are just way into it by the end of this episode. <laughs> improv and pantomime yes. between early <laughs> Federation history and uh, basic warp field theory. In the beginning. Where where Spock is just like um, he's talking to Bones and he's like maybe he doesn't trust your beats and rattles. I like almost had a pause it. I started laughing so hard. <laughs> I was just like, you get him, Spock. <laughs> like Bones isn't even a real doctor. Like this is honestly like the best. Like, he's just like, <laughs> and it's like you're nothing but a snake oil salesman. Go away, Bones. <laughs> good pieces in this episode like I, I there, there's a moment when when android guy is still on the ship I can't remember what his name was Norman, um, Norman. Actually, yeah. um so when he comes up to the bridge and he's talking about human life but then he looks at Spock and he says humanoid life and Spock gives him this little nod like thank you for acknowledging me as an alien life form I am not yes. human and you recognize that about me like there was something in that that I was just like that was kind of cool. <laughs> but the term humanoid is still a Earth-centric yes. <clears throat> attitude Absolutely. Yeah. In, in the Federation because there is even the term Vulcanoid, but that it's is right. only me offshoots of Vulcans, including Romulans and mm. Remans and right. all of those species. But they would also refer to Vulcans and Romulans and Remans as humanoid because they got two legs and got two arms and a face with two eyes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not pedal. sure if the, yeah. the people of the 60s were ready for that, but... But the 90s, yeah. they do start... Like, yeah, they yeah. start calling the, the Federation out on their shit in later decades. They do. Well, they they the, the Klingons call Kirk yeah. out in the, the sixth movie. Right. Um, yeah. He uses the term inalienable... No, or maybe it was Bones. They yeah. say inalienable human rights, and they're like, inalienable human. If you could only hear yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the line is the Federation's a homo sapiens only club. Right, right. But I do want to look around, like, because there's that scene in particular that I was like, where Norman, like, you know, looks at Spock, etc. Um, but then there's a, when they start, when they're actually on the planet and they start uh, parading out all, like, the, basically the sex bots that Harry has created. And, because, uh, of course, they would gain sentience. I mean, like, the first Andrews are always going to be the sex bots. Anyway, that's a whole, that's another, that's like a Blade Runner thing. That's a fundamental um, truth of technology that porn yeah. does lead the way. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, because that's what we put all of our passion and creative energy on. Let's be real. Well, all artists so, create for no, spite or it, thirst. That's it. Yeah, like porn will make the decision of what competing technologies work better because they're cheaper to work with, not because they're better. That's why VHS beat Betamax. Look it up. <laughs> oh, you're right. Is that why? Is that why Blu-ray won over whatever the that the was other actually thing was? Uh, HD DVD? That was actually more because Sony was smart enough to incorporate a Blu-ray player in the PS3 uh, without an additional uh, plug-in. You got to be able to play The Witcher on the horny style, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, horny Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> the internet would not exist if we didn't need new and innovative ways to look at naked people. Mm. It true. <laughs> It's not even yeah. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were printing out of the sex box, right? And then, like, uh, so, somebody says something where, like, these are, you know, you're unaffected, Mr. Spock. And and I, like, just, 
there was just a couple things this episode, and all the, honestly, all the episodes leading up to this point, where I'm just sort of like, maybe Spock's gay. <laughs> maybe it's the female body that, because he seemed very interested in like Norman and like when he was talking to like when he was uh, exploring the area and like, oh yeah, the central relay system or whatever. And he's just like looking up the androids, like the dude androids up and down. I was like, maybe it's just the female form that he's not interested in. Did anybody consider that? He's a fairly non-sexual creature for right. every, except, well, every, every seven years. Of, well, except, our, I yeah. mean, but that's the Vulcan thing, but like. That's he, not a mating thing, like a reproduction. Yeah, they, they hardly yeah. ever show him with like a girlfriend or. Yeah. Well, in the new movies, he's with Uhura. Right, but that and that's playing off of the little bits of flirtation that you yeah. might see between right. them. And it's Which, heavily... honestly, the new movies don't seem like this. Uh, this version of Spock either, because like in yeah. the new movies, I was thinking like, man, Spock is getting really hot and heavy with women in general. Oh my god! In the original series, he was kind of dude only. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like he was vaguely, you know, he's prim and proper. He he was a proper, respectable gentleman, but he liked the gentleman. <laughs> he, he not, and let's let's not forget, he knocked somebody up in the movies. Oh, oh, oh did he? Not, yeah. not in the new movies, in the in the Nimoy in the the is Nimoy starring movies. Say what? Is that oh. canon? It's not a hundred percent canon, but it's oh, okay. canon enough. He was definitely going through Pond Far in that third movie, mm. and Savick oh. had to go away in the fourth one because I think she was with the child. Oh, okay. Parade all the women out, and and he's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, it's it's like it's not like he, he could very much be asexual, sure, absolutely, but it's like, have you considered? Or, or he could be that he's interested in. Or he could have very milk toast sensibilities as far as his sexual sexuality is concerned, but he also knows when he's on duty and can compartmentalize. There's also that. Like, I mean, he's the only professional one here. Right. right. Very clearly established. <laughs> Gentlemen, you don't have to be horny all the time, which segues perfectly into a question that I, I confronted <laughs> in this episode. Is it possible Pavel Chekhov is too horny even for this show? <laughs> <laughs> Upon rewatch of this show, I'm, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Like, the two episodes where he's been really active in the plot, I've been like, listen, Pavel. You need to calm down. Flip off the gas. Even the one where, like, he was with the lady, and it seemed like maybe they had a consensual relationship going on. Like, she was just as into him. But at the same time, I'm like, you guys are on duty right now. Yes. Our current military structure, not not sci-fi military, but, like, like literally real world, you know? This doesn't seem too far, of course. Yeah, no, no it does, like, doesn't it? Even with the baseline <laughs> horniness of the show, Chekhov is above and beyond. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, he is trying, like, I guess maybe, I don't know, he's either gunning for Kirk's like, fuckboy chair or somewhere along the, the lines, the writing room was just sort of like, maybe we should, like, have a comparison so Kirk doesn't seem this bad all the time. Like, you think Kirk is bad? Wait till we introduce this character. <laughs> It's funny because Kirk has the reputation and yes, there's always some lady that seems to be throwing themselves at him or he's like, oh, hi, you're dressed scantily. But like, you <laughs> know, in, in a surprisingly higher number of cases than I realized, 
that's all it is. Right. He's not making out with every single woman he encounters, at least not right. on screen. But Chekhov, on the other hand, is definitely trying. He is steering the conversation to that topic. Chekhov lands on that planet from the last time we spoke about... And, you know, it's a bunch of these, like, asexual creatures that serve that computer god or whatever. And he's like, how, let me teach you how to love. <laughs> and by love, I mean. <laughs> let me get my mouth on you. Has no one taught you consent? Apparently he missed that semester mm. at the academy. He was, he majored in improv. It's <laughs> a substitute for the Starfleet Academy sexual harassment training. Appreciate this episode a little bit for saying the quiet part out loud mm-hmm. when uh, Kirk and Norman are talking and I think it was Norman, but basically the androids are like, we can provide your every need here. Why would you ever want to go back to your ship? And Kirk literally just said it. It's a beautiful lady and we love her. (laughs) No, Kirk, you love her. Don't put this on the rest of them. He is surrounded by presumably hundreds or thousands of sex bots. And Kirk can only think of his ship. <laughs> yeah. Started started to change the topic for a second. But the Uhura part, the whole thing with Uhura, yeah. where like they offer her immortality. Yeah. And she's thinking about it. She's really yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. And then they do the whole like they because they do another trick kind of thing with her. You think, oh no, Uhura's gonna be the one who, you know, can't handle herself or whatever and then it turns out like that was all part of the ploy for a second i bought it and i was like they're not gonna do her dirty like this i swear to freaking god (laughs) and then it turns out and then like he comes over and he picks her up literally picks her entire (laughs) body up off the floor and then he goes oh you're brilliant and she's like i almost believed it and i'm just like (laughs) i was dying i and here's like that's not an exaggeration. I reacted to this episode the way I react to like television that I watch today. Like this wasn't <laughs> like a oh this is you know excitement, but Star Trek original series. Like no, like it absorbed my attention yeah. the right. same way that modern TV does right now. Like this was <laughs> this was good. This was a really well done episode. And it's simple. There's not there's not a lot to it. It's just yeah. fun. Yeah. And- yeah, this I think this is actually the first episode in this rewatch that I've done that I've enjoyed more than I remembered. It's usually been at least as good as I remember, or a little uh-huh. or a little bit to a lot worse. This is the yeah. first one that's improved with time. My attention did not air. I did not wander. I was totally yeah. transfixed the whole time. Yeah. There this this show, it's very uneven, I guess, in the writing. Like there there are some episodes, and we're gonna talk about that, I think, in our next episode, that it feels like they maybe wrote 20 minutes of material and then the rest of it is just fluff and boring. Yeah. And but this one, it's like, oh my gosh, it's over. I'm a little sad. Like it's yeah, they're like I, it of... actually it held my attention. I I I didn't write a whole lot of notes as I was writing it because I was just actually watching it and actually enjoying what I was seeing. I made more just dumb joke notes than I usually do. Usually I have like criticisms or that was a weird angle or whatever that I sometimes I don't even talk about because I'm just like, all right, that's, you know, we're getting into the cinematics here. This one was just sort of like, I wrote down like, this is cruel and unusual punishment. I was like, marriage counseling saves the day. Um, 
<laughs> you know, and I was like, a girl thinking about it, girl, me too. <laughs> like, <laughs> just write down random fucking like asides, like almost um, uh, what's that? Sh- Mystery Science Theater three thousand style. <laughs> We are approaching our commercial break. Does anybody have any uh, additional pressing thoughts about iMud? No. Okay. Eris, you good? No, we're good. Then we shall go to commercial break. Do you feel like your Starfleet career is stalled out? Do you feel like you need new skills for the 23rd century, or maybe even the 24th if you were trapped in some kind of time loop? Well, here at Harry Mudd's Correspondent School, we're ready with all the courses you need, including... Improv, pantomime, fucking with robots, fucking with computers, space psychology, pretending you're a doctor, VCR repair, <laughs> or just get your high school diploma. I'm Harcourt Fenton Mud. Come to my school and learn everything you'll need to be wonderful. Harcourt? Oh dear. <laughs> this is the dean's wife. Ugh. Why did I choose this planet? I mean, come to my school where you'll be teached by Teach. robots of various shapes and sizes. Yes, Captain? So, moving on to messages of social enlightenment. Wear your mask, even if you have been vaccinated fully. Mm-hmm. Get vaccinated. Not just for COVID, but like for other things in general. Like make sure you're up to date on the vaccines that you need. Just um, because you're bored doesn't mean the pandemic is over. For Z, who again is on the Klingon monastery world of Boroth, water is life. Wear your seatbelt. Black uh, lives matter. Trans lives matter. Yes. Yes. Trans people exist. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I Honestly. have to do that, but apparently some of you didn't get the memo nazi symbols are bad period full stop fascism always bad always bad also um something near and dear to my heart especially considering the said nazi symbol that they use um guys it's all father not some father please stop committing violent acts against asian americans just just stop you're being awful yeah violent acts against anyone yeah. Mark Wahlberg's. Don't watch Woody Allen movies. Oh my God, no. I think in this day and age, it's important for all of us to take a look at things that we're nostalgic for and maybe art that we've once loved. Maybe the creator was a dirtbag. Maybe the creator was a turf is a turf. Maybe there's a lot of bad out there, but we all need to think a little bit more critically, I think, going forward to discover, you know, how how we're going to handle that. It's okay to mourn the loss of something you love, but to to defend something reflexively, reflexively without giving it critical thought, I think is dangerous. To yeah. disbelieve the victim of a crime simply yeah. because the perpetrator of that crime made something that you enjoy yes. is bad wall to wall yes yeah yeah absolutely it's hard for some people to hear mm-hmm. but there will always be new art and just yeah. because you did love something and you loved it wholeheartedly does not mean that a new love will not come again yes. there will be a new buffy there will be a new firefly like they won't be the same and hopefully not made by the same people who totally fucked up our society in the first place but there will be a new venture to love also on the party now apocalypse later network you will find as the myth turns with your cultural interns Eris, 
That's not their visual. Pandemic has certainly changed podcast production, and I'm going to say not necessarily for the better. It's um, been a learning experience and science because we have both taken copious notes about how bad this is going. <laughs> we're working on getting them more regularly posted on weeks that we're off. We uh, have some technical issues we're working with, but as the Maturance is alive and uh, we'll continue, so check your podcasting platform of choice and you will be getting new episodes as time continues. For other entertainments, both written and oral, A-U-R-A-L, you can Bye. go to part com, where there are blogs, uh, books, movie reviews, The Fourth Wall, and this show that you're listening to now. Eris, you have a YouTube page. I do. I have lots of dumb videos um, where, for the most part, there, a lot of them are video game related. I am slowly getting into the art uh, kind of type of material. If you like to watch uh, people, uh, specifically me, draw, you can catch me on YouTube. I'm Eris O'Reilly, uh, all one word. I now stream on Twitch Monday evenings right around 7.30 or 8. I do mostly art stuff, but I do stream on Twitch. Now, when you say you do art stuff, is it sort of instructional type things, or are you just displaying the work that you are doing as you do it? I record myself drawing. So uh -huh. it's instructional only in the watch what I'm doing. Maybe you'll gain something from it. Maybe you'll see what not to do. Who knows? Um, but for the most part, I'm just recording myself trying. Um, but for artists out there that... I that's how I learned how to draw is why I watched other people doing it. If you pop on my chat and, and are just like I like especially when I'm streaming on Twitch so it is like a live stream um, and you ask me to draw something I will do it. I'm not shy. <laughs> as long as it's also a wolf thinking about butts. I mean there's also yeah if you want some werewolves thinking about butts I'm real good at that. <laughs> Z who is not here has a uh, TikTok I believe it's underscore. It's just Z underscore. You know, if you're on TikTok, you'll probably find Z because as far as I'm aware, TikTok is just, hey, what did Z send? Z has yeah. gone viral many, many times. Love of my life. Do you have anything to plug? Um, not really. My Twitter handle is at bring to a boil and it's just whatever random thoughts pop into my head sometimes. I think I'm up to 30 followers now, so I'm good. But if you want to follow me, you can. <laughs> I've been playing The Sims 4 lately. So if you want to, I, I, I don't want to play with anyone, but you know, <laughs> I encourage you to also play The Sims 4 because sometimes it's fun. Okay. With that, I think we'll go back to our episode. Does anybody have any uh, additional pressing thoughts about iMud before we uh, move on? I, I, it was kind of predictable, but I do sort of like at the end how he's just going to be haunted by his ex-wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> As an android, I was like, oh, several of them. poor Mud, you're just going to have a hard time, aren't you? <laughs> that is cr like, that's cruel and unusual punishment if you really think about it. Like, like don't... The rehab is a thing, you know? <laughs> things Harry Mudd has done, is it not sort of appropriate? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not appropriate. I'm just saying it's cruel and unusual. Can't <laughs> be both appropriate and cruel and unusual? <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Supreme Court would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they would, but... Uh... <laughs> In the galactic court of the future, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Federation Supreme is probably.
fine with it. Yes, there's a uh, mud clause that (laughs) extends into the future for... They start to investigate it, and then they realize, wait, who are we investigating this on behalf of? Uh, You know, uh, Harcourt, Henry, whatever, mud. And they're like, oh, yeah, never mind. Investigation (laughs) closed. (laughs) The Federation Constitution has a clause against cruel and unusual punishment, except in the uh, cases of poetic justice. Yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, I think we just, yeah. <laughs> as long as it's creative, you can punish anybody however you want. I watched Next Generation, so I know some of the new stuff that's coming up. Is this the start of the Borg? No, I would say no. Okay. I um, think the what was the one we watched with the probe that came back? The changeling. I think that is closer to the origin of the Borg than anything we've seen yet. Yeah. The first movie, so like Star Trek the Motion Picture mm. also could be a little bit tied into the origin of the Borg. I buried the lead last time. The Doomsday Machine. Yes, that too. Yeah. In subcan, that was actually created by a race of beings to combat the Borg. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that the, makes sense. That makes right, sense now. The, yeah, okay. Because Borg ships had such great energy redundancy that if you neutralized 50% of the ship's function, it could still be a threat and regenerate quickly. Ah, Whereas okay. the Doomsday Machine was exactly the kind of weapon to, because it would sap the energy so fast yeah. and destroy the ship before it could have a chance to regenerate or adapt. It's almost more terrifying when you think of it that way, that a Borg-killing weapon got loose, right. decided to just kill everything in its path. Like, that's actually a little bit terrifying. But when you <laughs> you think of how the Borg works and that they assimilate other cultures and that becomes part mm-hmm. of their milieu, it's very possible they could have assimilated these robots at some point, and that contributed ah. to the the more current idea of the Borg. I think the Borg are pretty well established in their part of the galaxy at this point. Just the Federation hasn't gotten out that far. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So I think that did answer my question, actually. So theoretically, the rest of the crew was being down to go on this planet, and then we never saw them. Just Scotty. Right. Like, where the hell's the rest of the crew? I just. I just wanted I just I just want a little bit more of the rest like literally 400 people milling around going like sex robots huh all right well, <laughs> it because he kept saying that like like he was he was worried that the the crew would come down and see all these indulgences and you know like you know decide that they would all just give in to their desires probably because he knew his crew pretty well and knew that that's I mean, exactly how they would react yeah i almost wanted to have one scene where you just have like like the oh, almost like quote unquote the break room scene but it's like just all the random you know and nameless npcs of crew and sitting around going like so we can have all of our desires catered to us god this is boring you know because <laughs> right. like all of these people signed up to go on a spaceship and to fly away from Earth and explore literally new. These are people who probably don't like to sit still for very long. Wow, we can have every desire we ever wanted catered to us? Bored. And like, I would have loved that just that one cut. <laughs> Yeah, that would be right cool. back to Kirk. We're like a group of them roaming through the hallways, looking into other rooms where all these people are like getting fed grapes by sex robots. And then there's just a group of them like, okay, so, but what else is there here? He almost missed the ship, huh? Yeah, we've been here for like eight hours. I'm bored. There's probably a group that's formed that's trying to find the captain, but just never made it to him on screen. Right. <laughs> Just between the three of us, would we stay or would we go? Well, there was a moment where they, Kirk or somebody keeps talking about a gilded cage. And I was like, 
the place where I was when watching this episode, coming into ye- a whole year of being in a pandemic, there's part of me that's like, you know what, that Gilded Cage doesn't sound so bad. Like, I don't think it. I'd want it to be a permanent state of being, but like, that would be a nice vacation spot to just like, you know, have all the food and, you know, whatever you need taken care of, not want for anything. I think I could get down for that for like a short period of time. But after that, I'm going to be like, yeah, I need to go back. I would be really tempted, especially like start counting off like, like the whole, like we can give you the perfect body that like doesn't fail on you or have random headaches for 24 hours or whatever. (laughs) Um, And then I would be like, I'm so tempted. I'm like, I was like, girl, I'm right there with you. Her and I are on the same wavelength there i know myself well enough that i would get bored i would be like no i want to leave now if you if you I told know. me i had access to a spaceship i'd be like i choose the spaceship <laughs> but yeah. i'd be like okay this is really good for like i'm, I'm gonna be real like a good six week vacation <laughs> like you know save up all of my pto and i would be here for six weeks just living it up but like at the end of those six weeks i'm like get back on my spaceship and I'm gonna go see stuff I'm not saying that I I wouldn't want it for a while but I know myself well enough that after a while I would get just out of my mind utterly bored I know Mac well enough to know what he would choose (laughs) you think I don't I don't know if you oh really you you tell me what you think I would answer and I and I and I will see if your reasoning is solid I feel like you'd be a little bit Kirk in this situation you want you want to get back to that thing that you love the most and you want to get back to the life that you chose for yourself and not be forced into a situation that you didn't agree to that's (laughs) true however the prospect of being able to create that a a version of that life on the planet would have might have won me over but could you have Mm. done that I, I think if they had enough paper and pens. Okay. okay. <laughs> Interesting. This isn't the one where they wouldn't let them have books, was it? No, no, because they, they they had a massive library, I think they even oh, said. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So yeah. then, all right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I think I could get behind it if they would just let me do whatever I wanted at any, at any mm. given point. The prospect of being left to my own devices to entertain myself is perhaps one of the core pillars of my personality. But you would... Give up your starship for this. I would give up my day job. If you didn't love what you were doing on the starship, you I, I think that would be easy. But it, if you it, were if a, I was, all a person who yeah. loved the Enterprise and loved yes. what you did on the Enterprise, then absolutely not. If I was captain of a Federation starship, yes, that would be hard to give up. But if I was, <laughs> as I am in real life, I'd cash that. I, I'm cashing it in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There is a version of this that I think would have absolutely worked on me. I just don't think it worked in this exact situation. So if this was like an M-class planet, I think the original was like this was like a pressurized dome or something like that to in order to sustain human life or whatever. And the androids had set up like a very complicated system where there's multiple people. There's still humans I can talk to. But then they gave me like a little house in the middle of the woods with like a little tiny plot of land that I could like farm and grow my own vegetables. And they were just like, call us if you need us. And they just let me to my own devices where I could go and wander around like some type of uh, role-playing game Harvest Moon thing. I don't know. That'd be real tempting. (laughs) I'd be like, you're telling me that I can go and live out all of my, like, fantasies and, like, live in a little farming community town where, like, we could, like, meet up on Sundays and, like, grow our own vegetables. But, like, if 
plague or something happened, or like one of us got seriously hurt, the androids would come back and like make it all better. I don't know. <laughs> I would be tempted. When you go back to the cage and the menagerie with Christopher Pike getting yeah. to live out his life in the mine with these brain creatures, you know, convincing yeah. him that everything's fine. That sounds wonderful. I know it would be a trick. I know I'm technically a zoo animal at that point, but yeah. you're providing everything I need. And I've had a, I've, I've done all this other stuff. I don't want to do that anymore. So yeah, why not? <laughs> Maybe I just want to go outside. Maybe if you told me that I'd stay indoors for the rest of my life, I'd be like, fuck no. But if you told me like, okay, you got to stay on this planet, but like there's fresh air and there's like a little, there's like a river, like a freshwater river right over here. Like, and there's like, look at this forest with all these little animals running around that you can like run after and draw pictures of. I'd be like, I don't know. I think I'm never leaving. Isn't isn't that at that point, essentially Ryza from next generation it's like this paradise planet that people it's like this whole resort rises a lot hornier than that where it's Mm, like yeah it's it's all sex focused right like hey welcome to rise i want to fuck yeah i was gonna say i wonder how our answers would be different in a pre-covid world (laughs) versus a post-covid world but now that we're just just in the middle of covid like yeah, I, I think I think answers may shift. Leaving Harcourt Fenton mud behind and picking up a Zephram Cochran, although the not the Zephram Cochran maybe you're thinking of. Isn't it, though? Well, it's just played by a different actor. Zephram yeah, Cochran yeah, appears okay. in one of the movies <laughs> later on and played by oh, uh, James, James Cromwell. Yeah, I was like... Am I supposed to know this guy? Is he a... Th- what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's a thing, and... Yeah. Okay. He has better storylines later. Which is, which is strange, because he's, like... As famous as, say, a George Washington or an Abraham Lincoln in Federation history. Yes. But it takes Bones and Kirk like an hour to put it together. (laughs) Like, Cochran. It'd be like if if somebody came up to you, Eris, with a stovepipe hat and a beard and said, my name is Lincoln. And you're like, hmm. Something about that is just tickling the back of my awareness. I wonder Hmm. Yeah, and also with a name like Zephram, like, I mean, if his name was John and he just, like, introduced himself by his first name, I'd be like, okay, I don't know the way that a lot of historical figures look. Especially if they're, like, out of, like, the uniform that they took all the fancy pictures in. Like, if he just showed up in, like, jeans and a t-shirt and he's like, hey, my name is John, I'd be like, who's this a-hole? The gender politics at minimum (laughs) in this episode are not great. So, this one rubbed me the wrong way. It was sweet in a kind of emotionally manipulating way but as soon as the episode ended i was just like wait a second the fuck is this because the episode ends with the fact that the commissioner lady and i i forget her name completely i I think they just called her commissioner yeah i don't even remember they named her she's only a vessel for this other entity to take over her body and this lady had zero say in this they did not ask her if it was okay. Kirk basically just goads this alien entity. What, the caretaker? Is that what they kept calling it? Um, the companion. Right? The companion, companion, yes. So he, they basically just goad the companion into taking over the nearest female body, which, hey, we only brought one with us. She happens to be dying, so let's just take it over, and it'll be fine, because now she won't die as bad. Nancy and- Hedford is her name. 
that was her character name? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know that her, they named but... her, but Nancy got zero say in any of this. Earlier than that, she was just being bitchy. Like somebody's idea of what a dying woman would be like. When they were in the shuttle, she kept talking about how she had like no faith in Starfleet Medical. And I'm like, well, when you've got people like Bones running around, I understand, lady. But she's just irrationally angry at everything that was happening. So I'm like, mm-hmm. so you wrote her to be this like total bitch and then you just took away her agency so i don't know like that that's my whole thing (laughs) and and worse than that for me is that like her entire plot line such that it was she was unlikable she was supposedly good at her job but until she got this disease or whatever and where she and then she so she's unlikable then she has her whole like dying deathbed confession of like i've never been in love before off screen gets taken over so we never see that conversation if it ever happened and basically then they have this little goading thing at the very end where they're like who's gonna stop this war i'm sure they'll find another woman to do it (laughs) you're unlovable if you decide to put a career of above your above is this like because especially considering that this is the late 60s i don't remember which wave of feminism this is or whatever like i'm not great at the vocab the choice like you couldn't choose both it was like career or family yeah and here you have this character who chose her career and then she regretted that choice oh no and decides to stay on this lonely planet with this man who's gonna plant a fucking thing tree like it's some type of christian parable worse than that (laughs) the 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 false binary quality of that we'll get to false binary qualities here in a bit to opt instead for a career as opposed to a family and love and that sort of thing makes the person less complete yeah there's a lot of things i didn't like about the message of this episode i was like what are you telling me as a woman what are you telling me what are you telling your female audience watching this? Really? Right. You want to think about the words coming out of your mouth? Like, I was ready to smack somebody. <laughs> and I, I, it felt like such a leap when they first discover Cochrane could communicate with the companion. And he, like, just walks outside and calls it over. And they sort of, like, merge for a second. And that's how they communicate. And then... Kirk and Bones are watching this at one point, and they're like, oh, it's almost like love. And I'm like, what do you know about love when standing inside of an alien blob looks like love to you? Like, what? You are trying to force this love concept into a place where it wasn't going. Like, there's no way that story was going there in that moment. Like, you're trying to, you're trying to force the issue is what you were doing. And then they were forcing everything after that. And the whole comment when they build the little translator thing with the whole like, like, we've traveled a lot and it turns out that like every species has a male and female gender. And I was just sort of like, there's like 42 genders. Okay, like you're traveling all over the freaking known galaxy and like you're just like, oh yeah, it's always a binary. Wrong. There's more than two genders on Earth. There's more than two sexes on Earth and humans. (laughs) Like The line is the idea of male and female are universal constants. And I'm like, okay, Marjorie Taylor Greene, let's step back just a (laughs) Have y'all taken a look at crabs recently? They're fucked up. Like, <laughs> do you want to know how a seahorse reacts? No, it's weird. 
weird. Literally, the only thing I wrote was in that moment, I was like, oh, the 60s and your little quaint ideas on gender. (laughs) Also, fun fact, there are more intersex people than there are redheads. I did not know that. I don't think men in the 60s get to be the standard bearers for what love and gender roles should be. I think Spock has a better concept of love than you two fuckheads do. Oh, yeah. Spock over here like, hey, it felt like electricity. And I was like, that is something I can sink my teeth into. They're like, look at this. It feels like love. And I'm like, have you guys ever been in love and then didn't immediately abandon that person you thought that you were smitten for? (laughs) There is a continual, and I get, I get to TV show. So like Roddenberry isn't like personally writing all these scripts and whatever. I'm like, he's he's got a staff and all that kind of stuff. He's probably less engaged day to day with the creation of the show than he would have been early in season one just for reference but keep going i'm sorry yeah. i didn't want to enter star trek will get weirdly specifically not just religious christian they have a really hard time breaking out of the concept that there might be i don't know other religions even on the planet of earth and like they make these very specifically christian parables they get better at that because i think as roddenberry becomes more militantly atheist there is a streak in in star trek where it is anti-religious to the point of implying that religious organizations and humanity don't even exist anymore it strikes me as weird when people are like i'm atheist or i'm you know anti-religious or whatever but they only continue to go back to christianity Mm. and i was like i get it christianity hurts you especially if you were raised in america it's very hurtful (laughs) but at the same time like There are other religions out there. You could try including them instead of excluding them and pretending that they don't exist. (laughs) You can try taking some other forms of storytelling from them. Because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of weird religions out there throughout our history, our own personal history. Before you even get into like the sci-fi stuff where you're like, I'm going to create an alien religion that's like very like weird to us. And it's just like, nah, we're going to go back to like, here's two people who are going to grow old and die together with a fig tree. And I'm just like, really? This is where we're going to go? There's other religions out there who would be like, in order to make the story work, I'm going to leave and stop this war. Like there's many other religions in practice right now on this planet who would be like, I love you, and therefore I'm going to let you go and stop this intergalactic war. Okay, bye! The one moment I enjoyed in the show was when the ship finally reestablished contact with the away team. Uhura turns to Scotty, says, Mr. Scott, it's the captain. And there's the longest pause between (laughs) Scotty saying, put him on. (laughs) Okay, and I get it, because, like, they didn't have a second camera. That one camera just swiveled, so they had to be like, you know the director was like, holding up his finger, like, wait for it, wait for it, wait, now you can say your line. Right. <laughs> we right. gotta get that camera to swing over to you. In the reality of that that scene, it's like, Scott's thinking, uh... Also, more Scotty and Ahura, please, because, like, even before any of their little, like, cutbacks and, like, what are they doing on the ship was very cute, and I like yeah. their interactions. <laughs> I, okay, so this is the one good part of this entire episode, and this might be a great place to just end on, like, the happy part, but anytime that Scotty is in command on the bridge, and I love his style, he, like, and it's it's super endearing to me, and I noticed this in a couple other episodes, 
he kind of refuses to sit in the captain's chair. He is standing up, moving around. He's pushing buttons and he's chair adjacent, but it's almost like he doesn't feel like he should be sitting there. Like that's not his instinct. And so he only does it when the ship's about to yeah, be in physical. When nature. there's something super important that he's really got to like sit down and focus up. But like Ooh. most of the time he's just wandering around, but he's also such a good leader. He's bringing in like Uhura's perspective and uh, yeah. Sulu's perspective. And he's getting the whole bridge crew in on it. Like, we're really good at our jobs and we're going to do this and we're going to bring the captain back, but we're going to hold down the fort until they get here. He's just good. And I, I love yeah. watching that. He he only sits down when there's a risk of the ship being knocked about and yeah. be, standing up would not be safe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Seatbelts. Yeah. Yes. It's a safety issue. And I, I love that. Like he, he actually gets a chance in, in a, a, a one of the next episodes we watch where he's doing the exact same thing. I love it. Every time Scotty is in command, I'm like, I'm here for those moments. Scotty is a good starship commander. He's active, you know, like, like it's exactly like you said, he's just, he's just good. And I'm just sort of like, I get that you like engineering, but have you considered management? <laughs> <laughs> and he has pointedly not, because there's even an episode much later on where he's technically the ranking officer mm-hmm. and he lets the other guy take command because he's like, nope, I've only I've always been an engineer. You you, you are sitting in the chair. Yeah, where, where old Scotty comes back, he's kind of lamenting he's missing his old crew and you know like all of this stuff and it's very obvious he actually goes to the holodeck and he wants to see the bridge of the original enterprise so they recreated the set just so he could have his moment and he's like wandering around the bridge and like but these episodes of the original series where you see him actually taking charge and the camaraderie he had with everyone there, it like, it makes that a little bit sadder and a little more bittersweet. It's just so good. Her and Scotty, just more of them, please. I, just, I, I, would, I would watch them be the only two people on that ship. It, it, it's <laughs> interesting. In the fifth movie, which is universally accepted as the worst of their movies, it's, it's the two of them have a little almost flirtation going on. Like, oh, yeah. Well, maybe I need to give the fifth movie a, a second yeah. better chance. Can't, I can't wait. I really can't. That's not sarcastic. <laughs> I have yeah. not seen any of the movies and I keep hearing you reference them and I'm just like, yes. these days I'm going to understand all of these references. Yes. Futurama said it best. You'll have a hard time finding six movies in a row that are on average as good as those Star Trek movies. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I could name another franchise where you know all where, where six the lows in a row. are under control yeah. and the highs are still pretty high yeah Bad. i mean avengers pooped out in the second one so you know yeah. Uh, yeah. i will never not make fun of that second avengers movie oh my god <laughs> it laid the groundwork for wandavision and i am here for wandavision i have one additional comment bones bones needs to get his shit together he, a literal quote from this episode is Bones saying, I'm not a scientist or a physicist. Oh and God. I just wrote that down with three question marks. And I'm like, did you go to clown college? Like, <laughs> well, no doctors train as if not scientists in the future. <laughs> I, I was like, Bones, I want to defend you, but you're I know. making it so hard. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. And there's like... 
so many other ways he could have phrased that, and that's the way he went. He's like, I'm more of a biologist than a physicist, you know, like, like could have said, a- I'm not an engineer, or I, yeah, yeah, or I'm not a physicist. Yeah, you're not a physicist. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, but it's but like, I'm not, not a scientist or a physicist, and I'm like, then you don't use science in your medicine? Well, no wonder everyone fucking dies around you. <laughs> That's why he just walks up to a dead, or what he thinks is a dead body, goes like, he's dead, Jim. I'm like, did you check? <laughs> no, I don't need to. I went to cloud school. Next time your away team will get a visit from some parents with <laughs> Journey to Babel, and then Bones will fuck up his way through child delivery with Julie Newmar in Friday's <laughs> Child. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. 